How's that? Okay. Welcome, everyone, to Norris Cotton Cancer Center Grand Rounds and those watching remotely. For those who don't know me, I'm Mary Chamberlain. I'm in the medical oncology program here at Dartmouth. And I'd like to introduce our guest speaker this afternoon, Dr. Suyapa Bejarano. And last October, I had an amazing opportunity to participate in a two-day cancer screening clinic in the rural village of El Rosario in Honduras, which is a three-hour drive from San Pedro Sula. And at least half of that drive is in first gear four-wheel drive to give you a sense of the terrain. On that trip, I met a wonderful group of doctors, students, nurses, and village leaders from Honduras. The first of whom was Dr. Bejarano, the chief of the oncology department at a dedicated cancer hospital called La Liga Contra El Cancer. A group of six of us from this area flew down to San Pedro Sula, and at the end of her average clinic day of seeing 60 to 70 people, she drove through very dense traffic, picked us all up, brought us to her lovely home where another 20 or so people were joining us and served us all a delicious traditional Honduras meal of tamales. I was immediately in awe, and the rest of the trip was just as inspiring. And we are currently blooming it in all directions, hopefully long-term collaborations. So Dr. Bejarano received her first diploma in Colombia in evidence-based medicine related to chronic diseases and cancer. She got a master's of science in bioethics in Guatemala, received specialized training in clinical oncology and radiation therapy in Guatemala, and her doctorate in medicine and surgery in Honduras. She is chief of oncology at La Liga Contra El Cancer, coordinates the program of prevention, education in health and cancer at La Liga, also coordinates uh, adult cancer program, is professor of the School of Medicine at Universidad Católica de Honduras, and is on the IRB in Honduras in San Pedro Sula. She's presented at the World, Congress, World Cancer Congress in Brazil and several Latin and Central American Congresses of Oncology. She has no conflicts of interest to report. I think what I'm supposed to report is already up there. Um, she does not intend to discuss off-label or investigational uses and attests that she is not receiving direct payments from a commercial entity with respect to this activity. At the end of this presentation, there will be time for questions, and those waiting remotely will also have an opportunity to ask questions as well. So without further ado,
Well, uh, Mary has uh, talked about the Rosario, about San Pedro Sula, that's my home city, but for those who are not familiar, I'm gonna show you where I come from. The red dot is for my country, Honduras. And this is Honduras in Central America, if you zoom in uh, in the map. And here, uh, this is my country that has a population of over uh, 8 million people and uh, an extension of more than uh, 192,000 uh, uh, square kilometers. Uh, population 40.7% uh, are women, as in many other parts of the world, and the rest are males. So I don't believe that it's going to be two to one thing uh, uh, if you like to go into numbers. It's just one to one always, although we are more women than men. And uh, we have a poll in San Pedro Sula. If we zoom in, this is my city that is uh, in the north uh, shore of Honduras, and this is my institution. Uh, I'm going to try to talk a little about how the health system works in, in Honduras and what we do at our institution. Honduras healthcare system ha is very diverse. 60% of the population is covered by the national health system that is by law uh, obligated uh, to give free medical attention to all uh, Honduras citizens. Uh, this uh, public sector uh, is uh, administered and served by the Minister of Health or the Secretary of Health that has uh, 164800 uh, health units throughout the country, which of them are 28 are hospitals, and four of them are uh, specialty hospitals. I'm going to show you in the map later where are these hospitals uh, located. We have an uh, expectancy of life of 72 years and a parity uh, rate of six uh, child for every, every woman. Cancer importantly doesn't appear in the first 10 causes of death in our country because we have a sub-registration. And 60% uh, of the population uses the services of the public sector. But amazingly, 17% of the population uh, are, are not, um, has no access to any of these services. Uh, this is what some call amendment, some call exclusion. But uh, this is mainly because they don't have any care unit nearby their communities to be served with. So moving to the cancer situation in Honduras, uh, let me tell you that uh, in 1991, it uh, seemed fairly recent, the Minister of Health uh, created the National Cancer Program with objectives to reduce the mortality and morbidity by cancer in the Honduran population through uh, promotion, detection, diagnosis, treatment, uh, epidemiologic, epidemiologic surveillance, and cancer registry. Uh, this is the document that uh, was set up until 2009, almost 10 years after uh, the program was created, and it was supposed to be uh, executed from 2009 and 2013. Uh, but I can tell you, at least everything is very well written because we have uh, many caveats to be uh, surpassed already. One of the main things is that we are understaffed. We don't have a school of oncology in my country. So uh, the oncologists that uh, we are currently working at my country have to go somewhere else for training. And uh, we don't have specialized hospitals for cancer treatment. So most of the units, especially in the public uh, sector, are uh, inside a general hospital. 
Excuse me. Could you may ask them to mute their, uh, just to ask them on the Will mic. you please mute your microphone? Thank you. Well, if we move into the basic indicators of cancer, this is the last publication available from the National Cancer Program. And it says that in 2007, um, in the country, there were diagnosed uh, 4,581 cancer cases. But I have to make note that uh, these cases were reported from the discharge uh, uh, files of patients that went to hospitals. So, uh, you can see how is the sub-registry of information because patients that went somewhere else or that were attended at the hospital are not included in these statistics. Uh, even so, uh, I can tell you that these uh, bars reflect pretty much what we see at our individual units uh, in different parts of the country. And cervical cancer is the first cancer in, in the whole population. If we some Children cancer, men cancer, and women cancer, even cervical cancer represent 40% of all of our patients. In second hand, uh, we have breast cancer, but in this national survey, uh, it appears that lymphomas are the second leading cause. Then we have stomach, and then breast, and then a lot of many others. As you see, we are, we are full-handed about the cancer incidence in, in our country. This is uh, of Honduras. Uh, the capital city is uh, in the center of, uh, of the country. And we, this is San Pedro Sula, the second most important city. All the industrial activity are carried out. And uh, as I mentioned before, we have only four uh, cancer centers in the country. Two of them are in Tegucigalpa and two of them in San Pedro Sula. So as uh, looking at the image of the map, that uh, you can imagine how a patient from the other sides of the country has to travel to get attention to a primary, to a third level uh, cancer uh, unit in our country. Uh, we have two, uh, two uh, surgical oncologists, one in the west side of the country, another one in the, in the south part of the country from only surgery, only surgical oncology. So um, that's the, the image, that's the panorama of the cancer uh, facilities in, in Honduras. From the units that are operating in Tegucigalpa, and let me talk first about the public sector because it's the sector that usually should attend most of the patients. And in San Felipe, uh, this is the only unit that has radiation therapy. They have two and have uh, three oncologists, uh, one radio-oncologist, and several surgeons. And then is the other unit in Hospital Escuela, where they mainly attend patients with hematologic uh, uh, neoplasms, and they have only one uh, physician uh, available. And there is a private unit, uh, two private units in Tegucigalpa. One is ruled by an NGO, and they have recently acquired a linear accelerator and rocket therapy, but they're not in function yet, uh, but it's not available to the whole rest of the cancer patients. And there's another treatment uh, library unit that have just uh, radiation therapy. In uh, San Pedro Sula, the city where I come from, uh, the private, the public sector has one oncology service at uh, the state hospital, and it's just uh, for chemotherapy and one surgeon that performs the surgery for cancer patients. 
they don't have radiation therapy services, and they have one hematology service that they perform some of the treatments of uh, hematologic malignancies, but it's not as well a uh, settlement suitable for uh, hematologic malignancies. And uh, let me talk a little more about my institution, that is uh, the uh, NGO institution, that is in San Pedro Sula. We have a staff of 89 uh, people that um, <coughs> perform different uh, specialties, as you can see in the slide. Uh, we have two surgical oncologists, two clinical oncologists, one medical oncologist, and so on. And we have the program that Mary mentioned uh, before, that is uh, one of the things that we are proud of is the program from uh, prevention, detection, and education in health and cancer that we call PESCA. PESCA, uh, you can say in English like fishing, and we go fishing. We go fishing every weekend. And we have a remarkable uh, feminine committee of ladies that are volunteers, that are the main persons that are in charge of collecting money to help patients uh, without resources to have uh, cancer treatments at our institution or to refer to our institution. The Liga Contra Cancer is a civil um, organization ruled by a general assembly and it was founded in 1965. Uh, the objectives at that time were to uh, help patients with uh, cervical carcinoma, to give support to these patients that usually came with very advanced diseases and they were suitable or uh, these radical uh, surgeries like accentuations because of the uh, extent of uh, the disease. And they established afterwards uh, a patient <coughs> clinic that people call uh, the detection clinic La Detectora. And still there are old ladies that say, I'm going to La Detectora. There was a clinic for cervical cancer. And there was this only one doctor, Arturo Segura, who he has passed away already. And he did all the work of the screening cancer in, in the city. It was the first screening cancer in the city. Um, how I say, uh, why did I include the, the word influence in the theme of my talk? It is because after this, uh, the institution began to grow and um, maybe in attention and maybe in needs or recognizing needs that cancer patient had. And at, uh, in the several years that came after that, the institution or the organization um, take uh, the job to find people to train uh, outside Honduras because we don't have the, we didn't have the treatment we still don't have uh, right now. And I can tell that maybe 50% of all the oncologists that work through the country were trained by means of the Liga Contra Cancer. And that's how they uh, planted the seeds for other uh, cancer services in, in, in my country. Well, how do we support our daily work? As I mentioned before, Liga Contra Cancer has a hospital and as an NGO institution, the main uh, source of financial income is what patients pay. Though uh, the, the costs of these services that we provide to patients are much below of the market price, and that is the main help that the institution uh, offers to patients. We have donations from several institutions, and we have some fundraising activities, but in total, they, don't repre they represent less than 10% of our, our budget uh, uh, for each year. 
patient receive, some patients receive complete donation of services uh, upon a socioeconomical uh, evaluation. In which case, uh, depending on this evaluation, patients can receive 100% of uh, the treatment or a percentage of, uh, of the treatment. And as I mentioned before, the feminine committee are the main source of fundraising uh, activities. I'm going to show you um, what the, we did last year. Uh, if you have any questions uh, during my talk or after the talk, I would be welcome. Uh, as you see, I have a description here of um, all the attentions we received in the years 2011 to 2013. These are the new patients that we attended uh, last year, 7,410. And from this, uh, we don't have still the amount of cancer patients because the registry hasn't finished with that information yet. But I can tell you that 10% uh, of all our new patients are finally diagnosed with, with cancer. And here you see the service of dermatology, how many attentions they uh, had during the last year. There are two dermatologists that perform all this work. And uh, you have the gynecology attentions that is one of the more, more busy <laughs> department, as you can see, since cervical cancer is our first incident in, in Honduras. And I think you might be interested in this, uh, in this figure. And this is how many oncologic attentions were performed. At that time, we were only two oncologists. These four people that I was talking to you about was hired two days before I came here. And uh, we performed more than 10,000 attention during the year 2013. And um, then you're going to see the rest of the services. Uh, in total, for all the services, we saw more than 40,000 attentions during the years 2013 with the staff that I mentioned uh, before. Uh, talking about surgery, then my some of you might be interested in these figures. As I mentioned, we have two uh, surgical oncologists and two general oncologists working at our facility. And uh, here you're going to see the amount of surgeries, the major surgeries, uh, 251, <laughs> uh, which most of them are uh, for cervical and breast cancer. And uh, minor surgeries, that most of them are biopsies for, for breast cancer. <laughs> From all these cases, I'm going to show you uh, what the hospital-based cancer registry uh, has reported of our work. As I mentioned, since we have a national cancer program, inside those uh, rules that they wrote in 2009, it made uh, cancer an obligatory disease report. But it's not that. Uh, we don't have a national registry. Uh, it's mainly the information that we have it for the different institutions that have a hospital-based cancer registry. And one of our hopes is that we could set a, a population-based cancer registry in the city of San Pedro Sula in the, in the very near future. Uh, what you have here is the number of new cases of cancer that we had at our institution during this, the years mentioned here. And if we see uh, which cases are analytical, you're going to see the most of patients have enough data to be considered analytical, analytical patient for the registry. And if we see the distribution by site, and this is what I was mentioning before, it is um, very similar to the one the National Cancer Survey um, uh, in 2007. And with a little variation, for example, for us, uh, cervical cancer, you see, is our most important issue, 
then we have breast, then uh, skin is included here for, you know, the, for registry purposes, usually it's taken out of the, of the figure. And then uh, we have uh, stomach cancer and then lymph node cancer. But I want to take your attention to this last bar that is almost as big as cervical cancer. There's a whole lot of other uh, tumors that are not uh, categorized because usually they get an advanced disease and only get for palliative care. So um, I think it's a point that we have to, to address and that way screening is very, very important in, in my country. If we see the distribution by age, you're gonna see that our working population is the one that is most, most affected. And uh, though we are um, practically an adult hospital, we, we have these uh, young patients, they're all pediatric patients. These are young girls with cervical cancer. Well, uh, taking this panorama about uh, what we do at the institution, I want to take a minutes of my talk to talk about uh, the program, the FESCA program, the fishing program. Uh, La Liga Contra Cancer, as you saw, uh, its first uh, objective was screening for cervical cancer and health patients with cervical cancer. And it has been doing screening for so many years. But five years ago, we decided to give it a new face and to structure all of these activities and to enhance these activities with the limited resources that we have. And one of the main issues is that we didn't have the money to have special persons hired to run the screening program because cervical cancer was the first concern. So uh, we came up with the idea to um, train medical students um, most of you are aware what things have been doing uh, throughout the world, Africa, for example, where they take people for the community, train nurses. But we have lots of medical students. I mean, even though you don't believe, we have more than uh, 1,500 medical students throughout the country. So we wanted to prove that we have these students that are learning, that have more knowledge than a community person, and that they can be perfectly well trained to perform these screening activities. So in a sure um, a population of voluntaries, uh, we settled this group from the same people that work at the institution and with these volunteers, which as you heard, I am a university teacher at the med school, so I recruited them from, from my medical school and we gathered this, uh, this program. The main objectives uh, were uh, to direct the effort for cancer control inside the frame of the program that the national health system had already written and uh, to pursue our institutional mission. And promote integral health and cancer awareness as part, one part that is under development uh, every day and uh, to inspire healthcare professionals uh, throughout the country and medical students to advocacy towards cancer, to volunteer for cancer, and to help uh, develop skills in these uh, students for cancer counseling and prevention that they would afterwards uh, execute in primary care uh, settings. The main activities are our education to public, to private sector, to healthcare professionals, and uh, through interinstitutional collaboration. I'm gonna show you some pictures here. You have a big group of women that they were uh, counseled about uh, breast cancer and self-examination. 
this is a group of um, medical healthcare professionals, dentists, doctors, that, that were gathered last December for the campaign of 2014 <coughs> for cervical cancer. They were trained about HPV, they were trained about the vaccines, about the procedure of the pap smear, so they could go to their institutions and their communities and train another personnel so they could give information to people about what is cancer screening, cervical cancer screening and what are the options that the patient has. Then uh, one of the main things is to train students. We usually perform seminars at the university every month, taking into account uh, with the uh, colon cancer month, the cervical cancer month, breast cancer month. So we have this seminar, we invite different uh, specialists. So they give lectures to them, so they learn more about the physiopathology, the screening, uh, early detection of different kinds, uh, kinds of tumor. And then what's most important, education to public. When we go on our field trips, if you want to call it that way, uh, usually we do that on weekends because it's a completely voluntary uh, program. Uh, but while the patient is uh, waiting for uh, the cervical cancer screening, there is some students or doctors uh, from the institution giving talks about breast status examination as you see here, and you're going to see the model is a male. And I was commenting before that women are more prone that a male shows them how to do examination than women. I don't know why is that. <laughs> we have to explore that thing. <laughs> and then uh, uh, we have here uh, another picture about how we travel. This is our medical director giving a talk about the colon cancer screening. Uh, we, we have more students, but I want to show you this picture where we have uh, some voluntary doctors from the Catholic uh, pastoral uh, health service that we work uh, sometimes. There is no roles, and we have to carry our equipment, and we have to carry medicine, and this is uh, a day that we walk three hours to get to a community of 22 families. And this is halfway. We, we left about 5 o'clock in the morning, and we got there by 9 o'clock. It was my first time. I think they were waiting for me, because they usually do that in a most pastor fashion. And we were eating uh, oranges uh, and bananas in the halfway. And uh, as I make a joke to the people, by land, by sea, and uh, still not by air. I hope that soon, because we have some areas that we can only reach by air. Uh, we try to get to the most, under, most far away and underserved, underserved uh, communities. Talking about uh, the prevention and early detection, as I mentioned many times, uh, cervical cancer screening in underserved communities are a priority. And diagnosis, treatment, and follow-up of positive patients is uh, the second most important thing. And we try um, that these patients that are um, screen and are positive during our, our work in the field uh, are ensured that they're going to follow up and receive all the treatment that is needed according to the stage of the disease that they have at that moment. Uh, we have made some exploration through vaccination, though HPV vaccine is not available in the national health system. I'm going to tell you what we did uh, uh, with a partnership a few years ago, and uh, the breast self-examination campaigns, and if uh, we uh, find any positive patient during this, uh, these patients are uh, with a follow-up mammography if the lesion is not evident for free or they need a biopsy or whatever else they will need if uh, the institution is uh, committed to give this attention to the patient. 
and just uh, to have some fun after lunch, not to hear me talk too much. And this is one of our surgical oncologists. You can see there's a curtain over here, and we're in the mountain, and he's setting, you see uh, our service tray, and uh, we have to put the materials and uh, put in the bags to collect the garbage. Uh, I usually, I don't have them come too much because they're very busy, but when they can, they lovely go and, and accompany us to do this. This is another of, uh, this is the chief of surgical oncology showing the group of patients in the mountain, uh, the speculum, and explaining how is the procedure of the, of the pap smear taken. And here are some of the group of our institution, of the staff. Uh, this is our general director, <coughs> and we have gynecologists, nurses, even my mom is here. Everybody can come if they can do something useful. <laughs> Regarding uh, vaccination, uh, we had a, a partnership with the uh, uh, International Medical Commission Board in 2000, 2011. And as we met with Linda, we set up a thing in three months to go to the Rosario. Uh, we um, sell this uh, project that we received a donation of more than 80,000 doses of HPV vaccine, the polyvalent HPV vaccines. So we displayed a huge campaign of information through radio, television, um, uh, TV shows, uh, <coughs> and to educate people and prepare the environment. I think that one of the most important things, besides that we vaccinated these girls, is that and we developed with the Minister of Health all the program for establishment of the vaccine. So once it is available in the country, everything is already written on the procedures, the norms, everything is already set just for uh, applying the vaccine. More than 400 teachers were, uh, were trained since we used the schools, uh, the platform for vaccinating, vaccinating these girls from um, 10 to 11 years. And that uh, mostly fifth grade primary, primary education and more than 90 health physicians were trained. And at the end, we vaccinated more than 17,000 girls that completed three doses of the polyvalent vaccine. Uh, there is a paper that was uh, published at an event of the American Academy of Pediatricians to describe mostly the procedure, uh, how we implemented the project in the country. Uh, these are some features where the ma promotion materials, all the materials for recorded information that went into a national database. And um, these are one of the reunions with the teachers. And these are volunteers that also are volunteers of the PESCA project, and preparing all the things for the vaccines and vaccine in the world. You know, it's a very painful vaccine. <laughs> We have a commitment with health and with uh, society. So uh, helping cervical cancer patients is crucial for, for us because um, it's the more incident. And when a mother is lacking in my country, uh, all the home is disintegrated because we are still mother-drive uh, homes. So it's very important for us to address this issue and to uh, reinforce all uh, the things that goes towards uh, cancer control, especially with cervical carcinoma. Our latest partnership, and I think it's one of the most promising that I've heard, and one of the ones that's been very fruitful with us, is the, the partnership with the Norris Cotton Cancer Center. Uh, 
this is a, has been a very interesting interinstitutional collaboration where we had a, a community at El Rosario, uh, which uh, Linda and his colleagues uh, has been visiting for more than 20 years, and uh, developing uh, human uh, development projects at that community. Uh, we met uh, in a sick that she was doing of, of cancer centers, and we say, well, you, you have your activity there, and we can go with our program and have cervical screening, and then we come with a bigger thing. And uh, they developed with Tracy Oniga a survey uh, about the knowledge and attitudes of women towards cervical cancer screening. And uh, the most big thing is that, that uh, she recruited more persons. And finally, we uh, did uh, a DNA HPV testing in all of the patients that attended uh, that the days at the clinic. And then Mary came along, and she performed a huge amount, more than 350 breast examination and um, by physical examination. And uh, women received education about cervical cancer, early detection, self-examination, and there also there was a general primary care medicine attention because women came with the kids and had another uh, morbidities. At the end, in October last year, in a two-day um, in a two-day jornada, in a two-day journey, we attended 474 women for, for were screened for cervical cancer, and uh, from for, from these 472 women. 22 were uh, referred directly with colposcopy. And I think I didn't mention this uh, before, but uh, when we go to communities that are really far away and that there is no uh, suitable unit of healthcare nearby the communities, the gynecologist goes with us with a, a colposcope and he can do a site colposcopies and, and biopsies. From these women, uh, upon visual uh, inspection, 22 colposcopies were performed on site, and 11 of these uh, uh, colposcopic uh, evaluations uh, ended in cervical biopsies. Uh, there were more than 350 breast examinations, uh, and uh, there were five patients with abnormal breast uh, results that they were referred either for mammography or directly to the oncology uh, services. There was a huge effort, and um, I want to uh, notice that the, the work of the local, of the community leaders is crucial. And one of the things that we want to enhance and empower is that people participate in the healthcare of their communities. Uh, that's it's, uh, one of the main things that my programs want to do. That is the main reason why my programs still exist, because if I don't have those community leaders, I couldn't have the possibility to follow up those positive conditions. <coughs> so uh, the results of this huge uh, activity were lots of people. We were uh, eight volunteers, a gynecologist, Paul was there, uh, speaking Spanish with women. <laughs> And uh, it was a tremendous amount of work. Uh, everybody did its piece. And finally, uh, the preliminary results were uh, published <coughs> in a poster last weekend at the Nana Farber uh, Global Oncology. Um, that's one, one of the main reasons why I came up here to back up this uh, person that uh, had their time to 
to, to share with us uh, this experience. Um, so in particular, these are the main um, outlines that I would like to, to show you about our, our work. Uh, here you can see uh, one of our, uh, some of our volunteers uh, taking the survey for patients. And this is the line of women that came uh, on foot, on horses, on motorcycles, on buses, provided by, by the group of, uh, of Linda to uh, decide the school where we were uh, settled. And this uh, I can tell you that was a pretty big uh, yard in front of this uh, line of women. Uh, that were waiting to be surveyed and then waiting to be screened for cervical cancer and then screened for uh, breast examination. So it was a very, a very interesting thing. And I want to take your attention to this picture. Uh, these, uh, these are ones of the ladies that came here. Uh, this one with the green uh, shirt. Pregnant. It is a breast carcinoma. Uh, she had a gigantic left breast. Uh, later, we knew sarcoma that uh, turned out to be malignant. Uh, she had her surgery at uh, the end of December, and now she's waiting. Like we had the consultation here with Mary and her specialist uh, to receive uh, adjuvant radiation therapy. So I think that this work that maybe is not that well structured is not as professional, but I think. Taking the people something that they might need and maybe saving many lives. Um, we invite you to work for us. There are another things that we haven't addressed yet. We have men uh, they were asking for many things. They say you only come for women. They understand. They don't understand that you know we, we're a macho community, and uh, they always ask for something more. Um, these are these kids, uh, otherwise they would be left alone without uh, support, without a mother. And women that are always willing with some barriers that still we have to study and some barriers that we still have to, to talk uh, that are waiting for us to serve them. This is a, a photograph that we took the last day when we finished La Jornada. We were heading to San Pedro Sula, the rest of the team of uh, Norris Garden stayed a couple of days more, I think, uh, at the community. So we all seem very happy. Nobody seems tired, <laughs> though we have uh, two tough days. I'm going to stop a little here, and I want to hear if you have any, any questions. The, I know that we talked about this earlier, but could you tell the group the process of what happens when you take those cervical specimens? With the, with the follow-up? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have the patient screened for uh, for cervical cancer. We use, and this is an important thing to say, that we use cypher brushes and we use air spatulas because we care that it would, maybe this could be our only opportunity to screen these women. We hope not, but could be the only chance. So we try to use the most uh, sensitive devices to collect the sample. After that, uh, all these uh, uh, samples are taken to San Pedro Sula at my institution, where our pathologists uh, do the reading. If the patients are positive, the results, all the results are returned to the community leaders, 
uh, that could be a health unit, it could be the Rotary Club, it could be teachers, it could be anyone that would uh, uh, host us in the community. And after that, all the positive receive a letter uh, telling them the address, the telephone numbers, and that they should come for further studies at an institution where they are biopsy or have surgery, radiation therapy, depends upon the stage of the disease that is finally, finally diagnosed. Can you tell them the turnaround time? Um, well, uh, we, to... we offer a round time of uh, one month because this is an extra work of, besides the institutional work. But one of the main problems that we have, and I didn't address this before, is that we have uh, 3 million women at risk for cervical cancer. And uh, the reports of this uh, 207 that uh, the Minister of Health uh, published say that we had 18% um, of coverage of uh, cancer screening throughout the country. Uh, and from this 18% that goes to the uh, national health system for, for cancer screening, the turn of time could be three or six months. And some of them, I could tell maybe, never received the results for many reasons, for many reasons. We have only two national labs from the public sector of uh, cytology. So uh, from anywhere in the, in the country, or goes to Teucigalpa or goes to San Pedro Sula. So we have this problem of delivering the samples to any of, of, of the cities and then returning the samples and some get lost, some are broken. And uh, this is the problem with them. That's why we have this low coverage. There's no access and we have no good response from patients. In terms of educational outreach, here uh, children often grow up and they leave the community, they go somewhere else. Is that typical uh, in Honduras as well? Or when you make a contact, is it like to be with multiple generations in the same family? It depends on the geographic uh, region. Uh, in the most away areas, uh, mostly the, the people remain in that area. But people that are more uh, near from the urban areas, and because there's a problem uh, economical, there is no job, they don't have uh, the resources to crop, for example. So they try to go to cities to fetch any kind of work that will give them food. Yes. Are there um, institutions like the Ministry of Health or labor unions or large employers that um, as a group we could interact with to see if there were opportunities to fund this through w WHO or a labor union or something like that? Well, as, as, uh, as you saw, uh, the Minister of Health has his program. It's a very well and very comprehensive developed program. But I know that most of the reasons that they haven't uh, implemented any of the things that is written on it is because of money. And this is one of the first things. Then we have the, inside the private sector, there's another subsector, there's the social security. This uh, social security has its own hospitals throughout the country, but mainly San Pedro Sula and Tegucigalpa again, and it covers mm, like 40% of uh, the uh, formerly employed uh, population, that it represents about 18% of all the population of Honduras. They have their, um, the capability for screening, but as we see in the fact, uh, many women go to this for any other uh, cause, 
and they are screened for cervical cancer. But actually, uh, there can be connections that we can do to enhance these activities. I mean, where I was going with that is that a skill set that we have is writing grants, but you need a partner um, yeah. locally, and you need a place, obviously, to apply. And You're looking at one. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm thinking, uh, you know, WHO in particular is the only one I really know about, but you hear about Gates Foundation and things like this. It usually involves um, uh, something large, like the Ministry of Health or the Social Security system or something like that. Yes, I, I, I know. I know. And this is one of the reasons why we don't get this much funding. Because when once they get there, they're stuck. Like you smash to, to a wall, several reasons. I have hope, as some of you may have, may have heard, we have a new government that uh, took the power three weeks ago. So we expect that things may change in terms of permeability, that we could have more opportunity to reach. And that is why this project that we're trying to demonstrate that it can be done, and it can be done with not a lot of economical resources, um, could be suitable for them to reproduce or to enhance. Mm -hmm. What kind of fundraising activities are there for opportunities to raise funds? You mentioned women. Yes, um, most of them is visiting uh, these um, um, persons that have businesses, uh, factories, uh, that are asking for special economical uh, donation to the institution. They do bingos, they do big parties uh, in the city. We have uh, walks. Uh, from awareness and from money collections. Avon, for example, is one of our main uh, partners in this issue, especially for breast cancer. And we have a, a joint uh, activity for breast cancer. We have a big walk. And they invite all their um, associates. And we invite all the people, more than 5,000 5, people every year and we, to create awareness and to collect money too. Since we have, we are not too prone to donate. The people that have a lot of money are not prone to donate. And there are many things. We have HIV. We have Down syndrome. There are many other things to put the money in. And since cancer is not being in the screen as a problem for the country, I think that's one of the main reasons why people don't put their eyes on. You, I, you said that your country has very good vac childhood vaccination rates. So I assume you don't have much polio or diphtheria or tetanus or those things that are vaccine preventable. That's not much. And we know that um, cervical cancer is not completely but largely vaccine preventable. And one of the arguments behind uh, immunizing children in this country, even though we have a pretty low prevalence of cervical cancer, is that vaccine companies make money and then they can make the vaccine available in countries that don't have the means to pay the full price for the vaccine. Are there programs that offer vaccine at reduced prices to countries like Honduras? Well, what they tried is to include, they talked, but they haven't tried, they have talked to include the vaccine in the Gavi program because we have a 99% coverage in use uh, below one year of age. 
the complete, at least the first step. Uh, if you see for three years on, it varies, but it's, it's quite good. Uh, uh, we were implementing the project with the Minister of Health because we have to ask for their approval for doing the campaign of vaccination in our, in our department. Um, they said that they don't want to make much fuss because they didn't have the funds and they don't want to create um, need in the population because they don't have the way to respond to that need. But otherwise, I would like you to be uh, to look at the numbers. I don't know if I'm authorized to talk about this. He's in the corner. In advance, <laughs> Dr. Songalis can comment something about the results that we found at El Rosario. So we, we had a probably about a 15 you, you have to come to the mic <laughs> for the people elsewhere. You know, I, I think one of the things you can't appreciate is the impact of one of these clinics. And so we were told there'd be about 100 women that would come up, or 450 showed up uh, for that screening that day. And so we got about, well, Linda got 400 plus cervical swabs through the TSA at the airport, putting them all in her pocketbook <laughs> and getting them to the lab. And then in the lab, we extracted the DNA, tested them. We had about a 15% positive rate for the HPVs. And interestingly, you know, in, in the US, 16 and 18 are the more prevalent genotypes. And we saw some of those, but there were a lot of other genotypes that we don't see. So, so is it possible the vaccine was developed, that, that was developed, is covering the wrong genotype populations like Honduras? Because I think that the vaccines were tested in Latin American populations. That's where they showed that they were efficacious. So, so, so I suspect that's exactly what's happening is that even though the vaccines targeted the most prevalent ones, you're starting to see a, a, a surge of the others. And we did here at our institution on women that had been vaccinated that came back for follow-up half smear a few years later and had genotypes other than the ones that the vaccine covered. So we're selecting out or selecting for the other genotypes. At the Global Oncology Conference, we heard a lot about how there is a need for a campaign, a global campaign, to emphasize cancer deaths or the need for cancer research. Because due to HIV medications, the mortality rate from HIV is now about half that of the global mortality rate from cancer. Do you think that's true in Honduras as well? That it's reached that point where cancer um, is that much well, we, need, we need to uh, improve access, but as we see, the few patients that we, we treat, because uh, we're just, I'm talking to you about the experience of just one institution, but we're seeing a, a higher rate of survival patients. So we can expect the same phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I Thanks very much for visiting. Well, thank you all for your attention.